0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the commemoration of all the faithful departed, also known as All Souls Day. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And with your spirit.
0: Listen kindly to our prayers, O Lord, and as our faith in your Son raised from the dead is deepened, so may our hope of resurrection for your departed servants also find new strength. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever.
2: Amen. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. The souls of the virtuous are in the hands of God. No torment shall ever touch them. In the eyes of the unwise, they did appear to die. Their going looked like a disaster. They're leaving us like annihilation. But they are in peace. If they experience punishment as men see it, their hope was rich with immortality. Slight was their affliction, great will their blessings be. God has put them to the test and proved them worthy to be with him. He has tested them like gold in a furnace, and accepted them as a holocaust. When the time comes for his visitation, they will shine out. And sparks run through the stubble, so will they. They shall judge nations, rule over peoples, and the Lord will be their king forever. They who trust in him will understand the truth. Those who are faithful will live with him in love. For grace and mercy await those he has chosen. The word of the Lord.
3: Thanks be to God.
2: The Lord is my light and my salvation.
3: The Lord is my light and my salvation.
2: The Lord is my light and my help. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Before whom shall I shrink?
3: The Lord is my light and my salvation.
2: There is one thing I ask of the Lord, for this I long, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to savour the sweetness of the Lord, to behold his temple.
3: The Lord is my light and my salvation.
2: O Lord, hear my voice when I call, have mercy and answer. It is your face, O Lord, that I seek, hide not your face.
3: The Lord is my light and my salvation.
2: I am sure I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in him, hold firm, and take heart. Hope in the Lord.
3: The Lord is my light and my salvation. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Hope is not deceptive, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit which has been given us. We were still helpless when at his appointed moment Christ died for sinful men. It is not easy to die, even for a good man, though of course. For someone really worthy, a man might be prepared to die, but what proves that God loves us is that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Having died to make us righteous, is it likely that he would now fail to save us from God's anger? When we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, we were still enemies. Now that we have been reconciled, surely we may count on being saved by the life of His Son. Not merely because we have been reconciled, but because we are filled with a joyful trust in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have already gained our reconciliation. The Word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God.
3: Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah.
3: This is the will of my Father, says the Lord, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given to me. And then I should raise it up on the last day. Hallelujah.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus exclaimed, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what it pleased you to do. Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, my yoke is easy, and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you,
1: Lord Jesus Christ.
0: It's sometimes said at funerals that there's one person lying in the coffin and one person lying in the pulpit. It's kind of true, I think. You know, having heard a whole bunch of eulogies myself, um, it's amazing how many saints I've buried. No, I only say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. Uh, Funerals are not times to be talking about people's faults. But at the same time, to recognise that, hey, we're not perfect. And for most of us, we're probably not dying in the state of perfection. And I think that's a good little entry point to consider today's feast or today's commemoration. It's not really a feast day. It's not really something that we celebrate. But what do we make of those who die in God's friendship? but who aren't yet perfect. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives that command to his disciples, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's coupled with the greatest commandment, of course, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbour as yourself. Well, what happens if I'm not quite there yet? Friends with God, but I don't love him with everything I've got. And, you know, love a lot of my neighbours, but maybe not all of them. And love them a lot, but maybe not as much as I love myself. Now, we might pause and go, Ah, oh, the Lord doesn't worry about that. The Lord's merciful. Yeah, absolutely He's merciful. Of course He is. But look at it from our own perspective. Do you want to come into God's presence without loving Him with everything you've got? Do you think you can spend eternity with a whole bunch of people that you don't love as much as you love yourself? Well, we're touching upon the doctrine of purgatory, of course. This understanding that though the work of redemption is done, that the work of sanctification might not be. I've been saved, I've been drawn into God's friendship, uh, but I'm not yet fully holy. So there's still a process of purification that needs to find its completion, that needs to find its fulfilment. And I tell you what, I, I, I don't know how many times people have told me, oh, didn't we get rid of purgatory at Vatican II? I think, well, what, <laughs> do you think a council of the church can just interrupt the process of salvation? Vatican II describes what God does. He doesn't determine what he does. So, no, Vatican II didn't get rid of purgatory and it's still well and truly around. But I tell you what, thank God it is. But I think there's a reason why people have been so keen to get rid of purgatory or the understanding of it. Um, and I think it's because we have the wrong picture. So often we've probably imagined purgatory to be something like a torture chamber where you get sent in order to pay your debts. It's kind of a, a quasi hell. And it kind of depends on God being mean spirited and small hearted. In fact, we know that God is merciful and it perhaps belongs to a previous generation of Christians who, who didn't really understand that. And so, you know, they were the ones who came up with the idea of purgatory. Um, but, you know, we've kind of grown beyond it. No, that's not it at all. And I tell you what, thank God purgatory exists. Thank God that the entire work of sanctification doesn't have to be finished here during our lifetimes, because I tell you what, I still got a long way to go, and I don't know that I've got terribly long to complete it in, right? I mean, we all presume that we're going to live until we're 86, but maybe not. And we all presume that we're going to keep getting holier and holier and holier, but you know what, maybe not. I mean, think about it. If I come face to face with the burning, pure love of God, and I don't love him with everything that I've got, then his love will be a judgment on me. I'd feel ashamed. I'd want to go off and figure out how to love him with everything that I have. I'd want to go out and figure out how to love my neighbor as myself. It's not so much that God has drawn this arbitrary line of perfection that he expects us to live up to. No, no, no. This is the condition which makes it possible to live in his presence. This is the condition that makes it possible for us to spend eternity with one another. It really is the condition to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Like I said before, you know, redemption is one thing to be brought into God's friendship. But sanctification, that's another thing. That's got to still happen. We've still got to be made holy. Capable of love. Capable of living in God's holy presence. That's purgatory. Purgatory is the place where we can work out our loves. Those things that we love too much, we can learn to love less. And that which we love too little, we can fall in greater love with. Now. What do we know about the process of falling out of love to things which we are inordinately attached to? It's painful. (laughs) Breaking those habits stings and it requires time and it requires effort and it requires prayer. Break a bad habit. It's not easy, but that's the work of purgatory. You know, there are very many mystics who've seen visions of um, purgatory as a place of, you know, great pain and great suffering, um, particularly someone like um, St Catherine of Genoa, for example. And I think that's fair enough, right? There's going to be some pain and suffering involved and it's going to take some time. But I don't think we should look at purgatory as being a kind of prison cell, that the souls are longing to escape, but God's got them locked up. No, no, no. I think this is a process that they willingly undertake, because this is what makes it possible for them to come into God's presence in a way in which they wish to appear. I want to be perfect. I need to be perfect. And the process of perfecting, as painful as it might be, is God's mercy towards me, and I want him to do it. The process of cutting out the tumour, it's painful. But gee, I don't want the surgeon to stop. Get all of it. Keep going. Get it done, because this is the path to life. So what do we do today on the commemoration of all souls? We pray for all of those who have died in God's friendship, but who have not yet reached perfection that the time, the effort and the prayer that they need can be joined with our prayer for them and that God's merciful act of sanctification may come to its full completion in them and that they may be drawn into the joy of God's presence and into the communion of saints. I remember a great line from my childhood priest, Monsignor Robert Aitken. He said, The holy souls, they're not home and hosed but they're almost home and in the process of being hosed. So today, we don't just remember them, we pray for them. Visit a cemetery, go to Mass, pray the Rosary. Give them the gift of our loving care and concern, because in this way, we perfect ourselves by loving our neighbour as ourselves. And we cooperate in God's great work of sanctification by asking him to perfect and purify them. And so for our deceased relatives and friends, and especially for those who have no one to pray for them, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. At the Saviour's command Health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will